Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikma. With me is Benjamin Solak beginning our journey recapping the 2021 NFL Draft via divisions. We're going down every You said that like it was like totally like revolutionary. We've, like we're going to do a buy. This is the only podcast that's ever existed, Ben. <laughs> this is it. Every no idea other podcast has figured out this method of dividing the teams before. Every idea that we put into motion is revolutionary, first of its kind, and deserves to be celebrated as a monument to broadcasting in general. Okay. How are you, pal? <laughs> Everything is delicious. Appreciate you asking. Uh, how are you? Uh, yeah, coming back from the, the weekend, very recharged, ready to talk some football. We're talking to AFC North today. AFC North is the first division that we are starting with this series. So we got the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns, and Cincinnati Bengals before we dive into it. Got to remind the good people that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED, and then 1-5, and you'll get 15% off whatever your next order is of the best-tasting protein bars on the planet. Go to BuiltBar.com, get you some good protein bars. Ben, I figured that it would be smart of us. More dumb of us. No, couldn't be. We don't, dumb ideas? No, that's not us. Can't, not on this podcast. To start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason why it's uh, either smart or dumb is because choosing to start this entire series and this episode out with the Pittsburgh Steelers is like the meme where it says you wake up and you choose violence. Because I don't know how many good things we're going to have to say about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but what we're going to do for every single team is in order to guide the conversation a little bit, we've broken it up into three different superlatives that we're going to give for every team's draft class. We've got best pick most improved position group, and then the biggest draft regret, which could be a singular pick. It could be an outlook or a strategy, something that happened over the weekend. We're going to name these three superlatives for every single team, and that'll kind of, I think, get us where we want to go with the main conversations and takeaways for, for each organization. Where do you want to start here with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben? Uh, so, right, the Steelers draft class, they got... Najee Harris in the first round, Pat Frymuth in the second, then Kendrick Green, the uh, center out of Illinois, Dan Moore, the tackle out of Texas A&M, Buddy Johnson, linebacker, Isaiah Loudermilk, defensive tackle, Quincy Roche, edge, Trey Norwood, corner, and then Presley Harvin, the third punter out of Georgia Tech. Obviously, the best uh, pick is Presley Harvin, the third. That's, that's well established. Uh, no, I think the best pick for this draft was Kendrick Green. And I've been a little bit confused by it because I thought Kendrick Green was a clear zone player. Uh, could not rock a power blocking system. Doesn't have the mass. Uh, and with a offensive line currently boasting of Chikuma Korfor and Kevin Dotson and Zach Banner, this team to me needs to use power blocking to succeed. I don't see how they go about zone blocking to succeed. With that said, once I like stop thinking about them needing a starter and just start thinking about developmental player, 
because uh, usually in the third round, it's like, all right, a guy who's going to be good for us in the future. Right. Kendrick Green's a really, really good athlete and has, a, I think, a nice technical background, a nice technical foundation, uh, and he can improve in, on the finer stuff of play. But, like, he could he could hang right now, and that's good for development because it means that he can get some snaps. Um, but in general, right, he's a player that I think even if you ran zone, you'd want to add more mass to anyway. So I'm more... I'm, I'm less angry about the Kendrick Green pick. I expected them to go center earlier, and then they got Kendrick Green in the third round. I'm like, well, this doesn't even make sense. Uh, but no, it does. If you're if you're looking at a little bit of a more patient, a little bit of a longer-term outlook, then I think Kendrick Green is the best pick. Yeah, I, I wrote two names down here because I think that the Kendrick Green pick is, is worth noting, and I was going to go whichever one you didn't mention. I figured that it was probably going to be Green, but... You know, Green started his time at Illinois as a defensive tackle, switched over in 2017 to the center position, and now he's got a lot of experience there. It's not like he's he's super new to it, but he still has a lot of potential to him because of what you said, the athleticism. He's got 33 consecutive starts under his belt, so he knows how to play the position. He's just trying to use his athleticism as best he can with it. So I, I think the ceiling is still higher for him, but this is a really good pick for the Steelers. And for them to kind of <laughs> ignore their offensive line needs... Uh, in the first and second round, and then to come around and get Kendrick Green, I thought that, that was that was pretty advantageous for him. I also wrote down Trey Norwood, the corner from Oklahoma, because I, I think the Steelers have big yeah. cornerback needs, losing Mike uh, Mike Hilton in the offseason, also losing Steven Nelson and not really replacing him, although they got Sutton and, and they've got Hayden, and I guess that they're, they're okay rolling with that. But really, Trey Norwood, he had the injury, the ACL tear in 2019, but he, before and after that, he's had a lot of ball production, got a lot of interceptions, and... You really love that about him. He was able to play some of the nickel this past season, and I think that that's probably where he's going to find a home with the Steelers, and that's something that they really desperately needed. So for them to, in the seventh round, get a player that I feel like has starting caliber potential for them at a position that they really need because they're losing it and impact nickel player, then I, I thought that this was a great selection as well. Most improved position group, I guess, I, I guess to me it's running back. Because they they, right. they they needed one badly after James Conner signed with the Arizona Cardinals. And so even though I don't love the value, I don't love the overall strategy of going after Najee Harris no matter what in round one, the answer to the superlative is that running back got better. They got themselves a feature back, a guy who could play on all three downs, a guy who could do a lot for you. And so with that, I think that Harris has to be the answer here, right? Yeah. I like kind of have a tongue in cheek like, oh, they got better with interior offensive line depth because they signed a bunch of players who can't start Joe Haig, <laughs> Rashad Coward. You know what I mean? Like drafting yeah. Kendrick Green, uh, BJ Finney's new to the roster. Like, OK, but no, like they're going to have to play some of these guys. And that's not actually what they're trying to do. And obviously, offensive line generally got worse. Lose Matt Filer, lose Alejandro Villanueva, lose Marquise Pouncey. Do not get any starters in free agency or in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, it means offensive line in general is bad. So, yeah, it's probably running back. You lose James Conner, uh, who was obviously your guy, and you liked him a lot. But health was becoming a problem. So by, by bringing in a younger player, less tread on the tires. More tread on the tires. Less tread on the tires. Uh, you expect him to be healthy. Something, to be able to have something about game. tread on tires. Yeah, he has played less, fewer snaps. Bang. Um, car right, analogy for running back. So, yeah, so I agree it is running back, but it is, it, it, I, I do not think the Steelers team has gotten better across the course of free agency in the draft. And that was the reality of not being able to bring back Dupree and Hilton and Filer and Villanueva. Like there, those are the four 
four big multi-year contracts that were ex-Steelers, and they all went to other teams. He only They brought back Juju on the one year and two else. Uh, Cameron Sutton on the one year. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's pretty much it. Like it's. Uh, Wait, did Cam only sign on one year? I thought it was I mean, more I think than that. He was... Two year, two year deal. But two okay, year, okay, all right, all right. Same. It was, it was close. I yeah. thought it was like I thought it was like a three year deal for whatever yeah. reason. Um. So right. So they just uh, in general team didn't get better. I'm very interested to see what they look like. I think they could be fine next year. I think they could also totally blow up. Uh, and both would be intriguing in terms of understanding what what. Mike Tomlin does that team where they're at in quarterback and whatever. Uh, biggest regret to me, right? We've alluded to it. The biggest regret has to be not being able to acquire a starting caliber offensive lineman. I can't imagine that they went into the draft planning on not getting a starting caliber offensive lineman. I think they were in love with Najee at 24 and thought they needed Najee. The Pat Fryermuth pick to me is the one where I look at it. I'm just like, guys, like, no, you know what I mean? Like you had Josh Myers and Creed Humphrey both still on the board. Take Creed, put right. him at center. Right. Plug one of the gaps. Right. Oh no, we signed BJ Finney. We signed Rashawn Coward. No. Like that's not enough. <laughs> uh two picks before they took Frymuth at fifty five, Dylan Raiders came off the board. Four picks beforehand, Samuel Cosmic came off the board. Trade up. Go go get it. You need you lost <laughs> you lost Alejandro Villanueva, who like was a was a free agent you picked up off the street after the Eagles got him as an undrafted free agent. So yes, like you did that development. Cool. But you know, Brady Christensen went after that, that, that Fryer youth pick. And I think that that could have been all the, all those players could have been year one starters to help out your team short term competing with Roethlisberger and long term because you need good pass protection to develop a young quarterback. Uh, and so they had chances and they just, for some reason were not in on taking those. And I couldn't tell you why. Uh, then they get to, Round three, and I guess they're they're like you know okay we are, you know like we we believe that we can get interior offensive linemen starters in later rounds. There's something I've said before, but they make the the Kendrick Green pick, and I think Green's a nice developmental player. I don't think he's a scheme fit. And then Dan Moore in round four, which was like the early edge of Dan Moore's range. He's a multi-year starter out of Texas A&M. It looks like a perfectly acceptable depth player, but nothing more. And so I don't know. I think they'll look back on this class, and in the next couple of years, they'll be needing starting caliber offensive linemen, and they mm-hmm. won't get those guys from the development they're having in-house. Let's remember, Mike Munchak used to be the offensive line coach here. He isn't anymore, so offensive line right. development ain't right. that easy without right. a Munchak. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's going to be their big regret looking at this class. The biggest draft regret I have down as all of it. Whole like the, the 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 entire outlook of how they went about this draft. Okay, all 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 of the things. Did, every just all of it. I think that the Steelers in the end got fine players, and, and like we've said on this podcast before, Dre Harris, our colleague over at the Draft Network, said, "Hey, we Mike Tomlin has earned the benefit of the doubt to try to make what he can out of these off or out of these players." And I totally agree, and I think that Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the NFL, no doubt about it. But this entire draft strategy was so strange to me. I, I I get that they really wanted a running back, but that t- to me that's just that's not how teams are built. And perhaps they looked at this situation with Ben Roethlisberger and they said, "Look, we only have Ben for maybe just next year before we go into a total rebuild with a new quarterback, anyways." So maybe they said, "Hey, we have to invest our first round pick in the best running back we could possibly get because when now." Obviously, there's uh, pushback to this train of thought, but 
the NFL, they could have looked at it and said, hey, look at the games that we were dominating early in the season, really racking up those wins on a way to our 11-0 and start. We were running the ball really well. We had over 100 yards rushing. Like, we need to get back to running the ball. Like, it can't just be all Ben Roethlisberger. If we let him freelance like we have earlier in his career, it's not going to go well for us. So we have to have a running back that we can absolutely know that we can lean on at any point in time during the game. I get it. I, I, I understand where they're coming from in that regard, but it's still bad value for how they went about this draft. It is. You look mm-hmm. at what they could have had, and this without even moving up. Samuel Cosme in round one. Tevin Jenkins in round one. Dylan Raidens in round one. I don't care. At 24. Pick one of them. Pick whichever one you'd feel most comfortable drafting at number 24. Second round. Creed Humphrey sitting right there. Boom, boom. Left tackle center. Okay, great. If you drafted Samuel Cosme at 24 or Tevin Jenkins at 24 and then Creed Humphrey in the second round, all of a sudden you're like, wow, here we go. Steelers' offensive line is back, baby. Yeah, but also you're handing the ball off to Betty Snell. Okay, well, later the, <laughs> later in the draft, you could, you could trade up and go get Tommy Tremble to get the, to to fill the tight end need if you wanted to, because he he was picked just a couple of picks before they selected in the third round. Or you, you prioritize Trey Sermon or something like that. Go up and get him. I, the, the the Steelers would have been much better suited getting offensive line with their first two picks, drafting running back with their third selection wherever they wanted to. If they wanted to trade up and get aggressive for it, okay. They could have stayed exactly where they were and drafted Michael Carter out of UNC if they wanted to because he was still available on the board. You go get yourself a nickel corner or late late in the mid-rounds, early day three, whatever. You get a tight end around the same spot. It's clearly just not a super strong tight end draft. I, I was not a big fan of how the Pittsburgh Steelers navigated this entire draft. Nor I. I just like poking fun at you. Yeah, no, I know. Well, you you knew you could you could tell in my voice that I was ready for that. I was ready for the poke. Yeah, I was Trap, ready to clap back. Uh, would you think of the two two Atwell pick for the Rams? Okay, we're please, we're, Ben, sir. I'm begging you. We're not talking about the NFC West yet, and when we do, heads will roll. All right, let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens next. First round, they had two selections: Rashad Bateman, Odafe Oa, formerly known as Jason Oa, for those who didn't. See the news that he wants to be called by his real first name, Odafe, instead. Third round, they had two more selections. Ben Cleveland, the offensive lineman from Georgia, and Brandon Stevens, the cornerback from SMU. Fourth round, Tylen Wallace, wide receiver from Oklahoma State. Fifth round, they had three selections. Sean Wade, Dalen Hayes, Ben Ben Mason. And that was it. I actually thought that there were more picks. That's why my voice was kind of in an upper inflection, because I didn't <laughs> think that I was done yet. And, and that's now why the are. timing is wrong. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so now we're just stalling. Ben, what'd you think? Yeah, we've talked about these guys before, so I won't go too far into it. But I think Tylen Wallace is their best pick in terms of value. In terms of of just like even the top of the draft, I think Rashad Bateman's a great pick. And we've talked about what both wide receivers can mean to their passing game uh, in previous podcasts. But we were doing our our biggest steals. I think Tylen was the first name that I mentioned. Uh, This is going to, if they're used appropriately, give them a more diverse and dynamic true drop back passing game, which is extremely necessary. It's something that's been handcapping Baltimore for the last couple of years. Uh, and so big on the Tylen Wallace pick. I uh, think that it's good value for him pretty much to any team for particularly what Baltimore needs. I think he can be important, an important player for them. Also, same for Rashad Bateman, just four rounds earlier. Yeah, I, I roped out Rashad Bateman. And I figured that you were going to bring up both Bateman and Wallace. And when it comes mm-hmm. to most improved position group, it's wide receiver. You know, That's we, we, we've talked about this before on this podcast, what the different types of wide receivers would be. It was it was funny how it, it's not like you were wrong when you said this, but anytime I would give Rashad Bateman or or more of a possession wide receiver, 
to the Baltimore Ravens, you would tell me you'd be like, they right. don't they don't draft these guys, and so I was so proud of them. You were totally right, and you, they I think they did they did the right thing getting a different type of wide receiver in there. I've I've said it before, but it's it's was too big of a different strategy here with the Ravens throwing outside deep to the sideline with wide receivers and and then everything over the middle of the tight ends. It just there was not enough variety with both positions. It was too streamlined. They need to be more diverse in what they're able to do from both position groups. And I think that they now give themselves a chance to do that. They have these kinds of receivers. I'm very curious as to what you believe the biggest draft regret might be here for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, so it is tough, right? Because good football team across the board. Uh, The Ravens need to be able to play man cover on the back end against pretty much everybody, right? I, I always go back to the conversation we had after that week three Ravens Chiefs game, which the Ravens lost. And it was like, well, the Ravens defense just isn't built to stop the Chiefs. It's like, well, no defense is built to stop the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. But the Ravens want to, under Don Wake Martindale, their DC, blitz like crazy. And they'd like to be able to play man behind it. And ideally, they want to play man free. And that's with a deep middle safety, who's the only help defender to anybody. Uh, and we'd been mocking them Trevon Merrick, who obviously we we overestimated the excitement for him. Um, but we've been mocking them Trevon Merrick because no, we were correct. Yeah, we it were was correct. The, it was the kids who were wrong. It was the league that was wrong. Uh, we I thought that he could be that impact player for them. So he had the size to hit, and he had the, the 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 speed and the play recognition to get sideline to sideline. They didn't add a deep safety, even if they added. Sean Wade as a safety, mm. he's like a box nickel guy. Yeah. Right? right. And Wade helps them if you believe that, okay, he can play their nickel role, their slot role in man cover, which is something that he did at the college level more effectively than he did playing on the outside and playing man cover, playing deep third zone. They added Argerius Washington, an undrafted free agency, who Washington doesn't get drafted because he's like five eight. Um, but he has the ability to stick because of cover ability from the safety position, but again, working down over the slot, coming into the second level. Uh, So they didn't add a deep safety. And I think that the Ravens weren't losing games last year solely because their safety unit wasn't as strong. But certainly, uh, you know, for as much as you'd like, all right, we improved our passing game. Now we can, you know, hang in some more shootouts. You still don't want to get into shootouts. Uh, And I think that Peters is a year older. Jimmy Smith is a year older. Marcus Peters, that is, a year older. Jimmy Smith is a year older. Now, uh, you, were on, in, you were on a one-name basis with him. Peters. Yeah. So they, they, brought in, they brought in Stevens and Wade to, I think, hopefully help with, with the nickel. I've yet to watch Brandon Stevens, but from what I understand, he's an inside cover man, and I think that's all appropriate. I do think they still are going to be wanting for high-impact middle-of-the-field safety play. Remember, this is the team that signed Earl Thomas uh, with just Deshaun Elliott back there. So that's the biggest regret, and that could be the thing that— we talk about being the Ravens' big problem. I just think we'll end up talking about it in January, which means your team generally did very well. Uh, but it, it is something that I think if they could have addressed it early, oh, I mean, I get why they did Edge. I get why they did Odafe Owe instead. But I, I do wonder if they'll look on that and wish that they had tried to get an impact middle of the field safety. Yeah, it's 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 hard to find a regret for them because you know that with the right. Ravens sitting here, how many picks did they had? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So they had eight selections, two in the first, two in the third, three in the fifth. You just don't have a lot of 
extra selections like later on day three or whatever that you would want to add some of these positions just to get some death guys and throw some darts at the board if you will when you look at their priority positions we already praised what they did with wide receiver we love the fact that they double dipped you know with first and fourth round there they go with an interior offensive lineman to start the third I love that as well and I think that them addressing edge rusher after losing Yannick Ngakwe and Matthew Judon was the right move so it's really hard to find Areas where you'd say, yeah, this is a big regret. Now, of course, if the players themselves don't work out, then they're, then they're regrets as well. But, I mean, maybe Joe Tryon, I guess, ahead of OA if you wanted that. But they're kind of the same player. You're betting on superior athleticism to help them out, get more polish as they come into the NFL. Mm-hmm. I feel like OA has got that just insane ceiling of what he's able to do as an athlete. Ben Cleveland, big, strong, power kind of hog molly offensive lineman in the middle for that Ravens de- for that Ravens offensive line. That's who you want there. And then in the fifth round, it's like, all right, we're taking a chance on Sean Wade. Like you like you mentioned, he might be a safety. Uh, ben Mason, I think, is a, is a fullback tight end hybrid, like this lead blocker right. guy, I think is, is a great fit for them. And then Dalen Hayes, defensive line depth, and I think he could be a little versatile in what he does. So it's really hard to find an actual area where you go, yep, this could be a big-time regret for the Ravens because all of the quote-unquote swings at the fence that they took, a lot of people love them, and it's hard not to. I mm-hmm. also, you 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 just said that our Darius Washington went to the Ravens. I totally missed that. Yeah. Undrafted I free agency, am that makes sense. hype about yep. that. I don't know if you, I don't know if you uh, follow our Darius on Twitter, but no. the second that day three ended in the 2021 NFL, da- NFL draft, our Darius Washington just tweeted out, bet. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The likable young dude, man. I ab- I love that he went to the Ravens. How did I miss that? I don't know. That's what the dude. If there's any tradition, it's overestimating how much a bad, measurable player will be will be of of interest to the league. He doesn't get drafted, and then he lands somewhere. You're like, never mind. It's perfect. So I did with Miles Bryant last year, who is a five foot eight safety out of Washington, nickel player, just all heart, all effort, all attitude. Goes to New England. I was like, yep. And then, lo and behold, this year in third and long, guess who's playing middle linebacker for the New England Patriots? <laughs> Miles Bryant. <laughs> We're in 41, baby. Let's go. Oh, man. I actually, I, I really love that fit. All right, we got two more teams that we want to get to. But before we get to those, got to tell you guys about Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. And they're now offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels to increase both energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, if you text now, they will include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, which is their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with all kinds of key ingredients to get you back in shape. Absolutely free. Text draft to 231231. That's draft to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Also, if you're looking at these upcoming sports, NHL is about to get into playoffs, NBA the same way, MLB is really just getting into the swing of their regular season. If you're looking to put some money on the line, you feel like you know who's going to win, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to really get into the game as the teams prep for their playoff runs and really start to 
show you who their identities are in the regular season as well. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All caps, one word locked on. Let's get to the Cleveland Browns for this next pick. I feel like Browns fans who have been listening to this podcast have been waiting with heavy anticipation to see what we will say for our superlatives for the Cleveland Browns. Round one for them was a cornerback out of Northwestern. was Greg Newsom. Then in the second round, they got the steal, one of the steals in the draft and Jeremiah Ushukoromo, the linebacker from Notre Dame. Got some speed with Anthony Schwartz, the wide receiver from Auburn in the third round. Two fourth-round picks. James Hudson, the offensive tackle from Cincinnati. And then Tommy Togiai, the interior defensive lineman from Ohio State. Fifth round, same thing. Two selections. Tony Fields, the second, linebacker from West Virginia. Richard LeCount, the safety from Georgia. And then in the sixth round, they got Demetri Felton, the wide receiver out of UCLA. Ben, I correctly timed the pace and inflection of my voice on the Cleveland Browns there, getting all the way to their last selection. You know, that's called recovery, folks. It's called learning on the fly. Taking mistakes and making them blessings. I don't know what I'm saying right now. I'm just like a like an Instagram IG quote factory. Just throwing it out there, hoping people repost it. What do we think? What was the best pick for the Cleveland Browns? Tony Fields, 153. <laughs> um, I really, really liked Tony Fields as a prospect coming out. He was a player I had a late day two grade, or excuse me, a late round two grade on. The Browns, I didn't expect him to go there. I expected him to be a day three pick, and he was. Uh, the Browns added Sion Takitaki, or excuse me, the Browns added Anthony Walker this past year in free agency, who's going to play a between-the-tackles thumper role for them. Uh, they've struggled at linebacker previously, but now with Walker in hand, you have two-down player. You bring in Jeremiah Usu-Kornomoa, who they have said, quote-unquote, is their will linebacker. That's what they're calling him. How he gets used remains kind of up in the air. But it's clear that they're trying to add athletes at linebacker. Jacob Phillips last year, third-round pick, Usu-Kornomoa. And Tony Fields fits that description. Uh, Fields was a... 225-pound linebacker out of Arizona, transfers to West Virginia, and behind the chaos front, I don't know what they actually call it, but just the complete discombobulation of that West Virginia approach, Fields basically was just a cleanup. They just handle in the mess, right? And and that role isn't really analogous to the league. And so it's clear that he's going to have a little bit of a changing approach, but... Uh, at six foot two twenty, he has the ability to play the positions that Owusu Koromoa plays and back those up. So he's going to be able to be their backup will. And he's going to be able to be one of their overhang players. And on third and long, he's going to come on the field. He's going to line up on the line of scrimmage outside. He's going to potentially blitz. He was a weirdly good blitzer. Like he's short and 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 stubby and like tough for tackles to get their hands on. He like dip underneath them and he's a little quick. Uh, he's super explosive. You're in a, a one five five ten yard split, thirty four inch vert. Like he is quick as a wake uh, and he can really move on you and then when it comes to playing stack at 220 pounds you have to be, have a way to address contact you have that way to address climbers and he's developed over the most many many years starting he started as a freshman in arizona all the way through he's developed a really good understanding of how to slip blocks and how to work uh you know like like give tackles this and then deke them and basically just like juke them in space and find a way to get a paw on a runner is he get like who you want taking on contact no that's why you signed anthony walker uh, but he can get the job done, which is necessary. Uh, and so you don't really know what he is purely as a man cover player yet. And that's why he's a fifth round pick and he's a backup. And if he can't figure that out, he can't really play a box safety lineup over three Jeremiah Wusukoromo roles. You know what Wusukoromo can do as a man cover defender. It's very impressive. Right. But 
uh, the frame, the explosiveness, the density, the play recognition, the aggressiveness are all there. Uh, and so you get here insurance. It reminds me of when, uh, you know, you look at what the way that Eric DaCosta with the Ravens has drafted over the last couple of years. I know we're talking about the Browns now, but DaCosta, DaCosta takes Patrick Queen round one last year and then takes Malik Harrison, like, you know, two rounds later. Uh, he takes Marquise Brown in the first round of 2019, and this takes Miles Boykin two rounds later. He obviously did Rashad Bateman and, and Tyler Wallace this year. Uh, Hayden Hurst in the first round in 2018, and then Mark Andrews in the third round 20 in, in, uh, 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 for tight end in 2018 again. You take a, a position highly, and then you insure it with another pick behind it. Uh, and so this field to Usukoromoa pairing, I think, is going to deliver big-time dividends for the Browns, especially on long and late downs. And I wouldn't be surprised to see fields, especially later in the season, weeks, you know, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, 15, whatever, start to get 20% of the snaps, 25% of the snaps, 30% of the snaps, as he starts to really hone out a dime linebacker role, which is an important role for this team, especially if it allows Cormoa to play in man coverage. So big ups, Tony Fields, loves him as a prospect. Think Cleveland is a good spot for him. The best pick for me goes along with the most improved position group, and that's kind of the conversation that that I'll talk about here with Greg Newsom going at number 26. I know mm-hmm. it's the first-round pick, so it's like, oh, like of course he's the best pick. This is the first one that they had, but this is really important because on a roster like the Cleveland Browns have, you could look at it and say, hey, you know what? We're pretty well-rounded. This is one of the best rosters in the NFL going into the draft, and it was. And the Cleveland Browns could have sat there and thought, you know, we have earned the right to have best player available. And if we like somebody at a, at a totally different position, we should go with that. Even though corner, secondary corner, you know, CB2 spot opposite Denzel Ward, yeah, okay, you know, like we want to we want to upgrade that, but they could sit here and and do what the Buffalo Bills did. You know, where the Buffalo Bills were like hey, almost in the same situation where their roster is pretty stout all around and CB2 opposite Trey White was basically their only big need and the Bills didn't let that kind of stop them and streamline them from from making sure that they took a corner in round one or even with their second selection. But I love that the Browns did. And I love it because when you look at their cornerback room going into the draft, yeah, it's Denzel Ward on one side. Yeah, they also brought in Troy Hill, who's going to be a great, I think, nickel player for them. Yeah, they got a lot of versatility at safety too. But when you looked at their corner room, outside corner room specifically, before the draft, you had Denzel Ward, you had Greedy Williams, who you hope can play a lot better, and then the right. next guy in it, it looked like it was maybe MJ Stewart, and I've watched MJ Stewart. Let me just tell you. Fuck great MJ Stewart. He's not a good enough athlete to play outside corner. He's just not. He got exposed a lot in that area when he was in Tampa. His anticipation and his spatial awareness where he positions himself it literally has to be perfect or else he's gonna get burned by a lot of NFL caliber wide receivers and so when you think about that and you go okay you look at the team you you like what you see but you see Greedy Williams having to start no matter what no matter whether or not he gets better on one side and then MJ Stewart really the only other option that they have there they've got a couple of other guys they've got Brian Allen they've got Robert Jackson they have AJ Green the corner not the wide receiver although that would be funny So they have a lot of those kind of players, but then you also have to take into account that Denzel Ward has never played a full season in the NFL. He's never played more than 12 games. I did not know that. Right, so he has only started 12 games as a maximum 
each of the last three seasons. Now, 12 games out of 16 for a corner, okay, like it's not like he's, he's only playing in six games or something, but Denzel Ward has been banged up a lot during his first three years in the NFL. So what happens if Denzel Ward goes down? What happens if your two outside corners are Greedy Williams on one side and a lot of inconsistency that might come with that, and then MJ Stewart on the other? That ain't good. I don't care how good your front is. I think you're going to get exposed, especially when you start getting down the track towards uh, Mm -hmm. December and January and you're trying to win playoff games. And instead, now you have a situation where you've got Greg Newsom on one side and potentially Denzel Ward on the other. If one of those guys goes down, okay, Greedy Williams might be able to come in and you you might not have him learning trial by fire and he might actually get a chance to kind of sit back and really learn about how to hone in his skills as a good corner. Because remember, Grady Williams is one of those players who we had as a first rounder in the way too early mock drafts a couple of years ago. Like this was a highly touted corner. His freshman season at LSU was awesome. People loved it for it. The the, the consistency just hasn't been there for him. So I know it was their first round pick. I know that might seem like low hanging fruit when it comes to picking a best selection. But for what the Greg Newsom pick could have done for the Cleveland Browns, or could do for the Cleveland Browns moving forward, I think that has the best potential to improve the position group better than any other selection could have, and really gives them a chance to go against some of the best teams in the NFL as they start to make a playoff run. Yeah, no, my most improved position for them was also corner. And the the main thing is, the, the reason is, and people don't realize this, Denzel Ward has never played a full season in the league. He's actually okay, never okay, played okay, more than 12 okay, games. Wait, hold, no, that's hold, a big deal. Okay, because mine hold, was up, corner. hold up, hold up. Hey, I just said that. Hey, mine was I corner. I just said this. Hey, mine was corner beforehand. I didn't even know the thing. And now, now I know that Ward's got that going on. Uh, yeah, it, it's obviously corner. The Troy Hill signing is really, really nice. Hill can play outside for you if you need him to, but ideally he's going to be your nickel corner, and I think that that was a position of need. Like you said, MJ Stewart maybe, but still. Uh, and then to bring in Greg Newsom, right, is to give yourself both greedy and ward insurance uh, and is to ma- really start to bring a strength over the top. Like their safety room is wild deep right now. John Johnson, Ron Harrison, Grant Delpit, Richard LeCount, and now their corner room is mad deep. Uh Ward, Newsom, Greedy, and and Troy Hill. And so I think that corner is the most improved position. I think it's the strongest position on the roster. Uh, the Owusu Kormo and Tony Fields picks, even if you view them as like safety linebacker hybrids, also still help you in coverage. Uh, and so I think when I look at biggest regret, I look at a position generally untouched in, in the draft, which was edge. And I remember when we had Nathan Zagur on, yeah. and he basically told us, he was like, they love Tack McKinley. And it's like, all right. I have heard of other teams loving Tack McKinley before, but there's a reason McKinley like struggled to find a home last year. And it was because he was failing physicals. Uh, you know, this is not a player who's known for his health um, and has had some size fluctuations over his short career in the league. And so it's tough to put all my eggs in that basket for as much as you may like him. Uh, they let Olivier Vernon go and don't return Adrian Claiborne grabbing Jadavian Clowney late in the process. And I, I'm a, I'm very firmly in the the Jadavian Clowney discourse has jumped the shark camp. And I believe that he's better than people are realizing. And just like, you know, he's not a high sack player, but he's still a really high impact player. Mm-hmm. With that said, it'd be nice to have a, a high impact pass rusher. And between Clowney, Joe Jackson, and Tack McKinley, they don't have that player opposite Miles Garrett. And I was hoping that they'd get that player. And they yeah. really went in on... Uh, past coverage and the back seven made four picks back there, spent a lot of money there, and I get it. 
but I am worried. I'm thinking about when the Colts played the Bills last year in the first round of the AFC playoffs, and it was just like, okay, the Colts cannot pressure Josh Allen. They can't do it. They don't have the horses. And so, oh, you know, Allen would be back there for three and a half seconds. They'd finally get a rusher free. Allen would just avoid that guy. And then it becomes a scramble drill play. Doesn't matter how good your coverage is. Can't cover for four seconds against right. Bill's wide receiver core right. on a scramble drill. Right. Well, that's like, you know, I have this, this nightmare situation of the Browns meeting the Bills in the playoffs. And it's just they cannot get home. Uh, and so for as good as Miles Garrett is, I do wish they had added a second pass rusher for third downs. Because right now, if that player is going to be Tack McKinley week one, I'm worried it's not going to be Tack McKinley by week 17. 18, yeah. Week 18. Yeah. Edge, I mean, just addressing Edge somewhere would have been my biggest regret for them. Although it, it, it's hard, right? Because you look at their selections and we just, we praise Greg Newsom. We, we praise them getting Wusu Koromoa. So are you talking like third round instead of Anthony Schwartz, fourth round instead of James Hudson? Yeah. Okay. That's probably where you're, you're, you're looking to add an edge, but how big of an, like, would we have been saying the same thing had they selected an edge rusher at one of those two spots? I guess it depends who, but we would have still been saying to ourselves like, Oh, you know, mid-round edge rusher like how much is it how much are they really going to impact with the with the guys that you just named so I'm not so sure it could have gone too differently uh especially with Uusu Koromoa falling I feel like that second round was really the sweet spot for them to add a competent edge uh, a guy who could really be a difference maker for them this year and and in the short term to follow but Uusu Koromoa was sitting right there and I, I love that pick so it's hard for me to go away from it before we move on from the from the Browns <laughs> this interior defensive line is just a cast of like drive like draft Twitter marvels, man. Jordan Elliott, Andrew Billings, Tommy Togiai, Malik Jackson, Marvin Wilson, Malik McDowell. Oh, yeah. Sheld- oh wait, Malik McDowell. Yes, Sheldon Day. Like it's just anyone who might have had an interior defensive line hive in draft Twitter is now on the yeah. Cleveland Browns. Andrew Billings coming off the COVID list for them is extremely big. It's a yeah. very, very big deal. If you're going to play with small linebackers, boy, you better have an Andrew Billings. Uh, it was a good nose out of Cincinnati last year uh, and then off that for COVID. So that's a impact player that's returning that kind of, you know, it's easy to forget about because he was a free agent last year, but he's a big deal. Andrew Barry, general manager for the Cleveland Browns. One of us, one of Draft Twitter's finest. Before we get to the final team in today's episode, got to remind you guys about BuiltBar.com. We talked about them at the top of the show. They've got so many different incredible flavors. Their, their protein bars are always fantastic. I, everybody's always searching for protein bars that either that that both taste good and are good for you, and it's just so hard to find that. I've been working out for, well, you know, I try to as much as possible, but like over a decade, 50, like 10, 15 years now going back to high school, and it's like I always want some sort of protein bar either in the morning before a workout or right after a workout. And I just, it feels like the ones that fit my macros taste like dirt or the complete other way around. BuiltBar.com, they've got protein bars that are the best of both worlds. They taste fantastic. They're low in calories, low in sugar, but they're giving you high protein, high fiber as well. So they're great for anybody who lives an active lifestyle. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15, LOCKED, and then 1-5 at the end, and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off. Best protein bars you'll ever find over at BuiltBar.com. Cincinnati Bengals, final team that we are talking about today. 
Number five overall in the first round, they went with Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU, reuniting Chase and Joe Burrow. Second round, they went Jackson Carmen, the offensive tackle from Clemson. Third round, Joseph Osai, edge rusher from Texas. Fourth round, they had three picks. Cam Sample, the edge rusher from Tulane. Tyler Shelvin, the defensive tackle from LSU. And Dante Smith, the offensive tackle from ECU. They had one pick in the fifth round. It was Evan McPherson. It was the first kicker drafted from the University of Florida. Not the first kicker from Florida. The first kicker drafted in this draft who happened to play his college ball at the University of Florida. Two six-round picks. Trey Hill, the center from Georgia. Chris Evans, the running back from Michigan. And then Wyatt Hubert. Or Hub- no, it's Hubbard, right? It's Wyatt Hubbard. Hubbard, the edge rusher out of Kansas State. I always want to say Hubert. I don't know if it's because I want to get fancy with it. But apologies, Wyatt. Hubbard is how you say his last name. Ben, where do we go first for this one? Uh, the best pick, I think, is Joseph Osai. And it's not good for the Bengals that I'm like, hmm, who is it? Well, I have Cam Sample, they- so. Yeah, Cam Sample was the one I thought about. Tyler Shelvin I also thought about. Fourth round, 122. Shelvin, which this is the team that lost Andrew Billings. They had total defensive tackle disarray last year. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but Joseph Osai, I think it is... Uh, a little bit later than I would expect it aside to go. Uh, I, I thought he was going to be overdrafted by the league because of the jumps. Uh, instead, he goes to 69, which is a little bit later than I would have taken him. So I liked him as a developmental athlete, round two player. The versatility was very nice. Uh, the Bengals have Sam Hubbard on a contract year, and they exchange Carl Lawson for Trey Hendrickson. And all that's well and good. Uh, not really. I would have kept Carl Lawson, but whatever, fine. Uh, Hendrickson's a base end. Hubbard's a base end. Khalid Kareem... A fifth round pick of last year and Cam Sample, who they took in the fourth round, end, 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 end. But they took Akeem Davis Gator in the fourth round last year. If you remember, a, a linebacker, edge, safety, overhang guy out of Appalachian State. And with Lou Anarumo, who's the defensive coordinator, they do want to have those players that they can line up on the edge of stand up players and then drop into coverage. That is an important aspect of this defense. At least it was when Carlton was, or not Carlton, excuse me. Uh, uh, Lawson, Carl Lawson was there. And and obviously with Akeem Davis-Gator, that's an important thing that he brings to the table. So you didn't have another guy who could realistically do that on the roster, at least in a legitimately threatening way. So Osai brings you that, stand up on the edge, drop into his zone, sometimes rush, versatility. So he and Akeem Davis-Gator are a nice pairing in that way. And I like the fact that they didn't go too expensive with those players um, because the whole point of the versatility is that it maximizes players who are uh excuse me the whole point of the 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 smoke and mirrors the is he dropping is he rushing is that it maximizes players who aren't necessarily otherwise elite pass rushers Uh, and so i like the osai pick for them i think it was good value i think it's a good scheme fit across the board that's how you're supposed to do it yeah i I agree with a lot of what you said there i i picked cam sample as my guy for a lot of the same reasons i thought they got good value out of a position that they really needed to upgrade and and just overall i have the biggest position group it's not necessarily just edge, but I said defensive line as a whole. You know, you mentioned the guys that they're moving on from. They needed new blood, and they needed new guys that could really, really play for them. And, and I think that Osai is one of them. You mentioned him not getting super overdrafted, so it was a good spot. I think the Cam Sample, like you said, could be more of that base 5-tech, 4-3 defensive end. I like his fit there as well. Tyler Shelvin getting to play next to... DJ Reader, Larry Ungajobi, the the rest of that revamped offensive or defensive line that's there. I think that that was a really great pick as well. I did, you know, I really didn't think that Shelvin was going to last that long. I yeah. didn't, I, I didn't think that he was going to last until one twenty two. I thought that somebody was going to take a chance on him in the third round, just because 
former five-star guy, moves super well for for a nose tackle. I feel like he holds up well against the run. I felt the NFL was going to be a lot more in on Tyler Shelvin than they actually were with him going at 122 in the fourth round. But overall, I just I feel like the defensive line in general was something that the Bengals really had to address, and I thought they got a lot of really nice players to help them out there. What about the biggest draft regret? You mentioned it was sort of tough to pick a best selection for them. What about uh, draft regret? Does that go into a lot of these? Do we want to do a most improved position group? I just said defensive line. Who? Sorry, okay. if if you had somebody else, then I didn't mean to skip over you. No, yeah, no. For, yeah, for me, it was defensive tackle. Okay, uh, all right. So yeah, sign right, sign Larry and Kajobi for agency. Bring back Mike Daniels on one year deal. Uh, bring in Tyler Shelvin. They had so many injuries last year. Uh, it, defensive tackle depth, but also like three starting caliber players, and Shelvin is the wild card. Like that's a really strong group now for the Bengals. So I like that. Uh, the other side of the trench is where the regret is, and very simply, you cannot play the we're going to pass on Penny Sewell game. If your answer is drafting Jackson Carmen in the second round, I uh, did not like Jackson Carmen as a prospect. Even the kick into guard, I think is going to have some problems with him in terms of his leverage, his balance, uh, just where the weight is distributed on his body, how he gets into his set. Uh, I'm worried about Carmen as a second round pick. That whole Jamar Chase pick was predicated on the idea that you could shore up your offensive line with later selections. Dante yeah. Smith, a guy who I liked as a project, but tested worse than I thought. Uh, Carmen, who I do not like to round two player. Like Trey Hill, is a sixth-round player, but usually with a sixth-round player, you're expecting, all right, he's going to be a good backup, and that's what I think Hill can be. Uh, and so I, I liked Akeem Adeniji coming out of Kansas, uh, sixth-round pick last year. I think that he can fight for a starting job here, but it is not a pretty-looking line for the Bengals again, uh, and I, I understand why they, they thought they could take this route. I just do not think they hit on the picks needed to. Um, when you look back in a couple years, whether or not Burrow is great, whether or not Chase is great, whether or not your passing game is awesome, I do think that you'll end up wishing that you were successful in this approach, which I don't think you were, and you'll wonder what it would have been like if you took Sewell because simply this is not a – if the Bengals have any angles on competing for the AFC North, uh, Browns defensive line, Ravens defensive line, Steelers defensive line, this group's not holding up. Uh, their, their offensive line here simply cannot, uh, and I think that that's going to limit – and put a ceiling on this team, no matter how good the passing game gets uh, for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that it, uh, it's it, it's hard to find the words to really say is because you don't want to condemn a career or a strategy before they even get a chance to prove itself. Like I'm trying to think in my head, if Jamar Chase is exactly what you wanted to be, is he still going to be worth it for you? I suppose. Like if you think that he's going to be a Hall of Famer for you, he's going to have that big of an impact. Then, yeah, I, I suppose that he would be worth the pick of five, but. I thought the Bengals chose wrong. And not only do I think they chose wrong, I think they navigated their second selection even after Jamar Chase wrong. Because remember, they weren't always picking a 46. They had the 38th overall selection, and the offensive linemen that were on the board at number 38 were Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eikenberg. I mean, like these dudes, Samuel Cosby was obviously still there as well, even though he went later in the second round. These were all offensive linemen that were on the board. And not only did they trade back from 38 down to 46, they watched Tevin Jenkins and Liam Eikenberg go off the board right there. Also Walker Little, but I, I don't. I hope he was never in consideration. And so, right. even if like if they would have stayed at 38 and taken Tevin Jenkins, and we're sitting here talking about Jamar Chase, Tevin Jenkins, I'd be like, all right. 
okay, Bengals. Like I see, like I see, you took the risk on taking the wide receiver at five, and I think it ended up paying off for you. Instead, we're sitting here having to talk about a, a guy that neither of us really liked at offensive tackle. I, I, you know, he can be a guard, but then all of a sudden, if if, if Jackson Carmen is a guard, your strategy failed. That's the way you should look at it. Right. If he is a guard for you, you fail. Tackle need. <laughs> right. And and so I think that it's hard to look at what the Bengals did in the first round and or the first two rounds and, and be super happy with it. Even if you really love Jamar Chase, which we do. He was our wide receiver one. We think he's gonna be a great NFL player. Because if if you flip it and you say, Okay, picking Penny Sewell at number five. Then the wide receivers that were available for them, not just at 38, but also at 46, because no wide receivers went between that. You had Rondell Moore. You had Terrace Marshall. I feel like that's the one that they would really have 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 prioritized. You had Diami Brown. Like I, I think that if they would have come away with Penny Sewell and Terrace Marshall, that's better than what they have. That's better than than, than Jamar Chase and Jackson Carmen. I think that's yep. better value for what you're going for, anyways. So, that's the big one for me. Jamar Chase could still be an awesome prospect, but unless they really either hit the jackpot, luck out, or work their magic to get themselves a better offensive lineman over the next one or two years, I'm going to look at this strategy, and I'm going to say, look for as good as Jamar Chase is. I feel like it should have been different. But there's certainly a chance that these guys could play up to beyond what Ben and I believe is their potential. But it's hard to look at it in hindsight week after the draft and think that they made the right decision. Not just with going wide receiver first, but also in moving back down in the second round and, and watching some better offensive linemen go off the board. It's difficult. I don't, I, yeah, I don't like doing like that. If you use Sewell and, and, and Marshall, because you don't know that, but at the same time, when you're talking about biggest regrets, that's what you're going to look back on. And it certainly got discussed in that room that we should go Sewell and then, you know, we'll be able to get Marshall, we'll be able to get this guy, that guy. And that discussion will sit in there heads right mentally they'll they'll have it as they go through their next couple of years and god willing you know uh burrow doesn't get hurt again you know god forbid um but in the event that he even just exists under pressure every time that you gasp when he gets hit because you're getting pressures given up from michael jordan or jackson carmen or trey hopkins or whoever it is that's going to be that memory is going to sit there and that's going to is what's going to create that regret that's what's going to hurt all right there we go first division in the books had a couple of selections that we liked. Couple of selections that we questioned here. I feel like that's going to be the theme as we go through all these divisions. We're going to have three more this week, four more next week to make sure that we get through all eight of them over the next two weeks. We got the NFC South coming up next. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.